Don't be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the family. Anyone who doesn't love abides in death. Everyone who hates their brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has the life of the coming age abiding in them. This is how we know love. He laid down his life for us. And we too ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Turn to page 820 in the Pew Bibles if you would, or if you have your Bible with you. Just, I just read from 1 John chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. Page 820 in the Pew Bibles. Christianity has this pesky little problem of always throwing into the face of its adherents this issue of love. St. John makes no bones about it. He doesn't apologize. He doesn't sound like he's trying to beat around the bush. He is just, he comes right out and just says it over and over and over again. You can't avoid it in his letters in particular. Verse 14, the second half, read with me. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Very clear. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Of course, I remind you, as I reminded the congregation in St. Louis last week, and if you want to uh, uh, hear a slightly enlarged version of that sermon that you heard last week, uh, I believe it's uploaded onto our website, and you can listen to it there. So I reminded the congregation last week in St. Louis, and I've reminded you many times, the the English word love is troublesome, particularly today. I can say I love pizza, and I can say I love my wife, And neither one of those sentences is troublesome in English grammatically or linguistically. But it is troublesome in terms of meaning, right? So love has become this vague kind of meh, who knows what it means. You have to totally look at context. Greek, however, is a lovely language that parses out its words for love. The basics in Greek come down to four words. In fact, C.S. Lewis wrote a great little book called The Four Loves. Uh, and I highly recommend it to you. The four loves of the Greek language are storge. This is a strong love, a great affection, like a parent for a child. Uh, Philea, this is the love of friendship. Philadelphia literally means the city of brotherly love. Eros, and of course we get the modern word erotic from this Greek word. It has to do with the love expressed in the marriage bed. And finally we have the word agape. This word is often translated in older English uh, translations as charity. And it's so sad that we've lost that word and the usage of that word. When you say charity, you, th- you think of the Red Cross these days. Um, <clears throat> but as often as you can, let's see if we can bring that word back. One little parish in the middle of nowhere, we can do that. Bring the word back. Let's use charity. Uh, and charity is a great translation for that kind of love that we sacrifice to others is still the basic root understanding of charity. The love that sacrifices ourselves for others. This word for love was used in ancient Greek texts, particularly for the love in the family. The Christians used this word to speak of the love of God for his children. And that love is a self-sacrificial love. St. John says at verse 16 By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 
it probably will come as no big surprise that this usage of the word love in the English text that we just read is a translation of the word agape in the original Greek. Jesus sets the example for the love that St. John wants us to bear and show to one another. That agape love that Jesus showed us, that's the example. That's what he wants us to do. John then goes on to say in verse 17, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? And again, the word translated love is the Greek word agape. In fact, you may not be surprised to find out that every instance of the word love in our epistle lesson today is a translation of the word agape. Every time St. John says the word love, he doesn't mean it like, I love pizza. He means it in the sense of agape, self-sacrificial. He means by it what Jesus did for us. So let's read the rest of his text, but I'll substitute the hyphenated word self-sacrifice every time we come to that Greek word agape. Also pay attention to the middle part because in between the two mentions of the word love, he's commenting upon what that kind of life of love means. My little children, let us not self-sacrifice in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and self-sacrifice for one another as he gave us commandment. Self-sacrificial love is the heart of the gospel. Love is the queen of the virtues. Love is the greatest of the theological virtues given us by St. Paul in that great chapter on love in his letter to the Corinthians. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. This kind of love fights all sorts of vices. In fact, it arguably fights every vice. For this is the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the virtue that he exercised in his incarnation, his ministry, his passion, his death, his resurrection, and ascension. It is all about him sacrificing for us. It was all for love, and it was all for us and not for himself. So yes, we should seek to exercise this this virtue at all times. Yes, if we are not good at it, we still need to try. We need to practice. Yes, it would be great if this virtue were second nature to us. And if you think it is, and you're not 95 years old, come and talk to me. We've got a discussion to have. It's not natural to any of us when we are born. It is not natural to any of us in our young lives. It is not natural for us to love in this way since the fall of our parents. It is therefore necessary to practice so that, so that it can be and can become 
second nature to us. In other words, we must practice it so much that it is almost natural. That's what we mean by second nature, right? It's almost natural. And at some point it becomes who we are. It becomes what our heart is all about. Yes, it would be great to have love welling in our hearts for everyone at all times from the age of you know, two and a half. Suddenly, everything switches over. No, as an infant is baptized, suddenly love's just welling up for everyone all the time. Any parents want to see that? Huh? Wouldn't that be nice? It doesn't tend to happen even when they're 22, 20, and 18 all together either, as far as I can tell. Um, it would be great to be self-sacrificing all the time because we are in love with Jesus and are expressing his love from our hearts. But until you get there, and God willing, we become more like that as we grow, but until you get there, practice self-sacrificial love, even if it is not what your heart desires. If we don't do this, we'll never get there. If your child says please and thank you when they're eight years old, when they're 12 years old, it's not because suddenly they have a heart of gratefulness and are so thankful for people being kind to them. It's because you forced them to do it day after day after day. We have to practice. That's how we live life. And when it's little kids, please and thank you, be polite. And, you know, just this morning, I said to Talis, she says, ring bell, please. Or no, she said, ring bell. I said, please, you please. That's practice. You got to practice. And suddenly, every area of our life is like this with children. And we come to the word love and self-sacrificial love, and I hear comments all the time, boy, you know, she was doing the right thing, but it just wasn't out of a right heart. It just makes me so sad. <laughs> I've said to people, I said, no, that makes me really happy because they're practicing. Now, would it be better if they did it out of the right heart? Yes, absolutely. But let's not stop. So people, many Christians tend to say, oh, look, if you're not doing it out of the right heart, it's worthless. It's not worthless. It doesn't, um, it is not a good work in the ultimate sense of the word. But it is still like a partial good work because you're doing the right thing. Man, I'm telling you, you know, think about the times you've been asked, hey, could you A, B, and C? And you're like, I just want to go home. I just want to have a beer. I just want to sit and do nothing for just half an hour. And this person just asked me for an hour's worth of work in the opposite direction of my home. And you say, love to. You're lying, but that's kind of commonplace because you don't really want to. But you do it anyways, and the next time someone asks you, you go, you know, that felt good at the end of the day for me to do that. that. That was the right thing. And I knew that was the right thing, and I felt, okay, God, I'm doing the right thing. Please help my heart to be better about that next time. And then pretty soon, it almost becomes second nature. Please pay special attention when you practice to those closest to you. Your family, your good friends, your spouses, your children, your siblings, the people you sit, and sit next to at the office, the people you're sitting next to here at church. 
If you don't put on love towards them, then you're not really challenging yourself the way our text is suggesting. St. John, just remember, St. John is not asking us to have warm feelings to one another. It's nice to have warm feelings. That's not what he's asking. He's asking us to act and to act selflessly. So yes, be inauthentic when you're called to love someone that you don't want to love. When you'd rather love yourself. Being inauthentic is hard in our culture. That's kind of a big word today. Authenticity counts for much in our current culture. I just want to be authentic. This, this goes into all different places in our culture. And yet Jesus is really calling us all to be inauthentic when it comes to love. That is the only way we'll, way we'll ever actually learn how to love like Jesus loves. And to be authentic is to do it over and over and over again. May I suggest that you keep a commonplace book? Just keep a little notebook with you and like set your alarm on your phone and have it ring every hour or like if you're me, it'd be like every half an hour to remind me, I forget. But just write down <coughs> and keep track of all the times you choose yourself over others. Just like if we marked it down, we might be really shocked, right? Realize that you need to practice. That would help us to realize that and then practice. Trust God. He is calling you to this kind of living. He's got the best in mind for his church. One of the Psalms appointed for today, Psalm 125, reminds us, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. Thanks be to God. We're not doing this on our own, friends. We're doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to trust God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He's going to give us what we need. He's going to keep us. He's going to protect us. As we seek to do this almost impossible task, it seems to us. Come to the table of love, my friends. And let us again, let us again gain the strength for this kind of self-sacrificial love. Amen.